0: Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! No! <laughs> oh! Quick five and drags it, don't know, long wheel, oh, what a goal!
1: What a goal! Oh, oh! 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 saved it in! Barry
0: Ferguson does this
1: again! Welcome to the Hand and Roar podcast, the aftermath of a 1-1 draw against Poland, a friendly win snatched away from us, with just about the last kick of the game with one of the most bizarre penalty decisions I think I've ever seen at international level in my entire life. But it was an encouraging performance from Scotland and then Austria coming up in just a couple of days now and here to chew the fat are Gordon Sheik of the Tartan Scarf and Andy Lang from Alba Matter. I'm sure you're both familiar with their work on Twitter and beyond. Welcome along, guys. Andy, it's been a wee while well for you. Welcome back. Thanks so much, Andy.
0: Hi, Gordon. How you doing? I'm great, mate. I'm great. It's just continues to be the, the best time to talk about the Scotland national football team. Oh, wonderful. Good to be back. I
1: know, and it's, well, Chris, it's about 18 degrees outside. Thanks for taking some time out your Saturday afternoons to sit indoors with a screen in front of you. But we'll uh, we'll get cracking on then. Uh, and the first thing I'd love to discuss is Kane Tierney. Um, scored his first Scotland goal the other night. Lovely glancing header into the what well, kind of the middle to the edge of the the goal. But he's just brilliant again for Scotland. Gordon, how pleased were you with Tierney and and anyone else you'd like to mention first of
0: all? Yeah, t- Tierney is absolutely fantastic for Scotland. You know, I'm just so glad that we found a place to put Kieran Tierney in this team because, you know, we, we drove ourselves to de- to dementedness with debates about where can Tierney and Robertson fit in the same team. And a lot of times, there are a lot of people, they may claim that they, they thought otherwise, a lot of people made the argument that Tierney should be on the bench and Andy Robertson should be left back and we will play centre-backs in the centre-back positions. But I'm just so glad we found a way for Kieran Tierney to play in this team because what he brings is just, it's irreplaceable... Not only his talent, his quality on the ball, but just his hunger, his desire, his attitude as first class. I was so delighted to see him score his first goal for Scotland. Absolutely so well-deserved. Um, and yeah, look, I, th- I think I saw one of the comments under your, your, your post on Twitter earlier, you know, should Tierney be seen as like the leader of this team? Obviously, it was McGinn who wore the armband, but... You know, I think I think there are leaders throughout this team. And I think that's one of the greatest strengths we've got. Obviously, Robertson not available. McGinn is the de facto vice captain. But yet, Tierney is right there as part of that leadership group in the team that just clearly drive very high standards in in, in the group. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Andy, because Steve Clark was asked about this um, by Brian McLaughlin at BBC in the build-up to the game. Who's your captain going to be? I think we all assumed it would be John McGinn. He is the vice, but Clark didn't confirm it. He said... Well, yeah, someone will be wearing the armband, but I've got captains throughout my team. You know, Grant Hanley's the captain at Norwich. Mm-hmm. Craig Gordon is the captain at Hearts. I've got Callum McGregor captain at Celtic. Tierney wears the armband now and again at Arsenal, depending on selection and availability of others. So, yeah, it does just kind of seem like we've got a real uh, backbone and, and a deep pool of leadership options throughout this team at the moment. Setting, setting captains to quote the podcast, but I yeah. think that's I think that's how
2: that podcast got their name was. Um because they're Irish, and uh, at the time in Ireland were really competitive and had some, um, some really, you know, top level players, Robbie Keane, Roy Keane, stuff like that. But also, um, the, the bulk of our squad was playing at a high level as well, uh, very similar to us. So uh, I think I could I could be wrong here. Someone will correct me. Someone always does on Twitter. But <laughs> um, someone was asked, like, uh, you know, have you got who's your captain or whatever? And I, I don't know if it was Jack Charlton again. Sorry, apologies. I said I've got. It might have been Mick McCarthy. I've got second captains throughout the team. You know, i have got um, hundreds of captains in the pitch, and I, I think what he was trying to say, and what what we are trying to say here, is when you look at the lineup: Hanley captain, Norwich Gordon captain of Hearts. I don't need to go through it all again, but there's real leaders there. You know, in fact, you'd be hard pushed in the starting lineup to find someone who you wouldn't consider a leader for a club team, you know, or at least a real pivotal player, perhaps Greg Taylor. It's about the, the only, and Parson, of course, um, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But yeah, I, it's, I guess what we're talking about here is something more than just football ability. It's something kind of uh, belief, um, feel-good factor, team spirit, whatever you want
1: to call it. Scotland have got it at the moment in spades. We'll come to Patterson absolutely bang on, Andy. We'll move along the the back four slightly. A few people did get in touch about this on Twitter. Don't know if you heard it yourselves. It was I heard it driving home from the game, the discussion on BBC Sports Sound about what to do with the Scotland defence, essentially. Um, and it was Willie Miller. Craig Levine was involved as well. And they were lamenting the performance of Grant Hanley, who I thought did fine. I mean, it, the penalty was actually given... Against Hanley at the end, would you believe not? Um, Craig Gordon. I'm not sure what Hanley's meant to have done, but Craig Gordon um, got in touch and said that um, it was not the ref didn't give it against him. It was for something that Grant Hanley had done. But yeah, they, they were talking about you know that was that's we saw the sort of stuff tonight that we thought Hanley had left behind. Um, and I, I'm not really too sure what they're referring to. I thought Hanley was quite commanding, and at the sides, I've been a, a a supporter of leaving McTominay out of the right centre-back position for the most part, um, but he was selected again. I, I would probably choose Henry over him or maybe Suter, but again, um, I'm not too fussed about it, but the guys on the panel were, were essentially saying, you know, McTominay, um shouldn't be a right centre-half for Scotland, and if we're looking at the other night in isolation, I thought he was brilliant at bringing the ball out from the right centre-half area. Gordon, and he was feeding the ball into midfield. He actually entered midfield himself a few times. Um, any particular thoughts on on Hanley and McTominay the other night. I mean, easily, easily past marks. maybe even more for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think if that says anything, it says that we're now, people are now critiquing the Scotland side from a much higher standard than they used to, you know, and that, you know, could be argued as a good thing, you know, that six out of tens is no longer going to be seen as good enough, that, you know, we're expecting and demanding more out of this team. But you know, speaking specifically, I I, I would agree with you. I, th- I think Hanley was absolutely fine the other night. I think there was maybe one or two situations where he maybe he was a bit higher up, almost at the halfway line and challenging for headers where the ball maybe ended up bouncing beyond him and maybe created attacking situations. But that's why you've got a back three. And I think Tierney and McTominay were able to clean up very handily like that in situations like that. And and yeah, McTominay, I think we saw what was what was great about him on the right side of that defence. Like you said, the way he was able to sort of drop the shoulder sometimes and use his calmness on the ball, his range of passing and his leggy, rangy strides to just step up into midfield and give us an extra option. Yeah, I thought McTominay was great, but you also have to bear in mind, you know, this was a a defence that didn't have so many options, didn't have as many options as we usually do. And You know, when we've got a full squad and suitors available, Cooper, McKenna, Hendry obviously was on the bench this time, we've got plenty of options now, which, again, can only be a good thing.
1: Yeah, Andy, there's uh, a mention on Twitter from Ali Clark, who does point out to a few shaky moments from Grant Hanley and says he'd feel safer with Cooper in there. Um, Cooper's not going to be available for the game in Austria, but I think that centre position probably... Between those two, first and foremost, maybe Scott McKenna as a third deputy, moving from being Tierney's understudy on the left hand side. And
2: Henry, of course, as well, who's mm-hmm. able to slot in, slot in there too. Um, Grant Hanley functions as a ball winner, and for Scotland, you know, he, he, his job is to head things away and and kick things away. Um, but he's deceptively quick, as we've spoken about before. So he's not not easily beaten for pace, Grant Hanley and he's able to, to get some good recoveries in there. There was once in the in the first half where I don't know how he managed to get back in front of the guy, but he did and then he won a, a good defensive free kick um, by falling in the ball. Um, so I think Hanley has always for reasons best known to, to themselves, like he's always come in for a stick, Hanley, and I don't know why exactly because like you, I think he does what he's asked to do very well, very solidly. If Cooper comes in. um, Liam Cooper's getting on. He's not the the future for Scotland, but he's still a very good player. Uh, Whereas Jack Hendry, I think we all know is a more cultured ball playing centre half. Um, We would probably need to change our style a wee bit. Uh, I'm not saying he can't win headers, but he is not Grant Hanley. So just like uh, players aren't positions, you know, they're if, if we're swapping out Hanley and and Henry comes in, we probably change how we play at the back uh, because we're not, like Gordon alluded to, we're not Grant Hanley chasing the ball and winning most of his headers like uh, f- further ahead. And he, I don't know if he was told to do that tactically, like chase literally everything that came his way, but he was going after every ball um, during the week and with some degree of success as well, you know, so... I, I, th- I think just on Tierney before we, because I realised I came on and started talking about belief and stuff. Tierney and McTominay, like, there's no way we could have predicted how good they would be where they are at the moment if you skip back two years ago. I think we just take it for granted now. But we are so, so good at um, either bursting through the lines like McTominay or Katie. they can both do it dribbling, but, but also playing that kind of zip ball into feet. Um, that's becoming a bit of our trademark, you know, and it, it really frees up Patterson and, and Robertson in the wing to get in behind. And it's not easily dealt with. You know, that's the other thing. I mean, it's all very well saying Scotland do this, but when you've got John McGinn backing into you, it's really effective. Do you know what I mean? So uh, and Shea Adams was coming in and using his frame as well to kind of do that game as well. So, yeah, I was very, very encouraged by our right and left centre backs and I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be moving either of them, to be honest.
1: I think with with Grant Hanley as well, if he was taking out the team, not only do you lose you lose a a force of nature from your defense. I think Cooper's obviously a, a strong, able guy, but he's not the the wardrobe shape that Grant Hanley is. And also Grant Hanley, deceptively, I think people are now coming around to getting used to this, that he's he's fast. Grant Hanley is very fast. I would actually bet that Grant Hanley's comfortably quicker than and McTominay I mean it was only, we heard was it last summer can't remember who it was maybe mm. Kenny McLean or someone else said this that during the pre-season trials at Norwich last summer Grant Hanley was the second fastest in the squad which okay. you, would, yeah. you would never ever imagine just from looking at him and no. his cover and all that but yeah then um, you're right Andy that the, the amount of times that he's able to recover well and we did notice that when he was subbed off against Croatia with his injury in the Euros what we lost in the defence in terms of the pace as well um, mm. so yeah but Anthony, you also
2: you, you add into that sorry um McT is if you ask any of Man U's players, McTominay is the athlete. You know he's the one who can go box to box. He's the one whose five k times are unbelievable. Uh, KT is the fastest player at Arsenal as well. I think it was Jack Wilshere who said that. You know when he was asked about it, and they, they all thought of Bamayang, who was still at the team. He was like, "No, KT by quite a distance." So that's your back three who have got pace, and in Scotland we are not used to thinking like that Mm -hmm. um you know we're used to just oh they they head it away but that's why i'm saying we're gonna have to change our game and become more possession based and i think we are i think there was really good chat on twitter afterwards really encouraging chat about just how good we are in possession of the ball now um yeah
0: and building up from the back you know yeah a hundred percent and and all that comes from the greater familiarity of playing together i mean that We'll come on to it, but the, the the midfield three of Gilmore, McGregor, McGinn, you know, our back three, they can play that progressive game and play the ball through the lines and can bring the ball forward because they've got midfielders that they can play off of and they can, you know, they know that if they play if you play it to Billy Gilmore and he's in a bit of a a difficult spot, he'll pass his way out of it or he'll dribble his way out of it. No bother. You know, they, they've got confidence in one another now that they know they know how to to work with one another. And it's it's just so encouraging to see.
1: Speaking of pace, let's move over to the right-hand side, have a wee chat about Nathan Patterson, who was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant and unfortunate not to score an absolute wonder goal in the first (laughs) half. And he he was trending on Twitter, Patterson, um, during and after the game, but it wasn't really from Scotland fans, it was Everton fans who'd caught a glimpse of what he was up to the other night and and wondering (laughs) why isn't this guy getting more of a shot in um, a team that's you know trying to fight their way up the Premier League table. I think for probably since midway through that run that we started having towards the end of last year when we had the six games, it was six wins in a row, wasn't it? Maybe after a couple of games, and Patterson had come in and started contributing in an attacking sense. People thought, right, this is the man that we need at right wing back. O'Donnell's got his use, but from now on, Patterson... Starts that was probably the majority um the majority verdict but now it seems like it's unanimous really among Scotland fans, Gordon, that Patterson is is the right back.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, and I think it's quite clear now when you see him being picked time and again by Steve Clark that he is Steve Clark's choice, the of the future of the position. And really it doesn't seem to matter now what he's doing at club level, which again I think I think is. brilliant you know sometimes you do have to make Mm -hmm. exceptions for just incredibly talented young players that you know and when he can when he can come up to scotland and having played what 45 minutes against boron wood in the fa cup since he went to everton so since january it doesn't matter i mean i think something that we saw from nathan patterson in his games last year is that sometimes it would take him 30 to 40 minutes to warm up he'd sometimes look a bit nervous a bit anxious early on in games for scotland thursday night against poland he was at it from the start and you're right he could have scored an absolutely brilliant goal for us and he maybe ran out of legs a little bit towards the end of the of the match was a shame but understandable given how little game time he's played but it's just again it's just so encouraging to see guys like him young guys just getting more and more caps for scotland because it's only going to benefit him and us in the future
1: yeah andy we've got a boy that we all think is going to shine down there in England. Whenever he gets his opportunity um, And Nathan Patterson, there was three attempts maybe that he had on goal, but the one that keeps getting replayed on Twitter, sadly it didn't end up in the back of the net, but it was the one where he, he took that touch inside, skipped past two, maybe three players on his route to the 18-yard box, cut inside a man and got his shot away on, mm-hmm. on his left foot. And he was unfortunate. It's his weak side not to, to get it past the goalkeeper. Yeah.
2: Sorry, that's my phone. I suppose it was the, the reason it took off on Twitter. Yeah, it was Nathan Patterson, and yeah, Everton are languishing at the moment and are in desperate need for someone of his talent. But, you know, players don't ordinarily do what he did. Um, you know, everybody stood up and got an edge of their seat, just, oh, you know, North Stand stands anyway. But uh, we were all started just like, oh, I'll go on, I'll go on, I'll go on. And it was, you know, it was one of these progressive, like, it was, you thought that, If it would have been a competitive game, the stand would have just sucked the ball into the net, you know. But he did, he showed in that instance what Rangers fans, Scotland fans have seen countless times when they've watched Nathan Patterson, which is just a real fearlessness. Mm -hmm. Like there's, he does not care who he's playing against. He will play the same way. And what I really love about him is that he's always, uh, when you hear him speak, there's, and I think I put out a tweet in this as well, but it was just there's just a, a nonchalance, you know, it's not like an arrogance, it's not cocksure without backing it up. It's like it really sure of his ability, you know, just very settled, very calm, very poised. And when he, I think I noticed um, what's the Rangers Real Madrid pre season, and okay, it's pre season, but he's playing against Marcelo there, who's, who's pretty good. And, you know, I, he did one we 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 think where he um, he did a Cruyff turn right when it was much easier to go back to the keeper and he kept the ball moving forward. Now that made everybody go wow because pe- players don't ordinarily do that and they certainly don't do it when they're eighteen years old and not very very sure of themselves. You know, against arguably the best left back in the world for the last ten years. Mm-hmm. So it it just takes his time and um never seems to get too phased by anything. And it didn't shock me again that you know, okay, he's played against bournemouth Wood, but he's had 60 odd minutes in an under 23 game recently. And that might be his only appearance, actually. I'm not really sure. I've not been keeping up. But it was his debut. And he played a one-two, I'm sure you guys saw the goal, but his delivery for that uh for that goal, because he, he he played 60 minutes, got an assist, typical lump and run. Brilliant cross at the end of it, header in. He played a brilliant, similar ball in the first half. And that's where Patterson, you're like, man, this guy's, he's got the tools to like, like he's not just pure pace, you know, without an end product. He is like the real deal. Yeah. Um, And and we can very much get excited about him.
0: And I I I think the thing that excites me the most about him, if I can make a quite nerdy reference, if you guys appreciate this, if in the same way that, you know, it was Anakin Skywalker, wasn't it, that was prophesized to, to bring balance I love it to bring balance. Right, keep, keep going, Gordon. <laughs> I feel like Nathan Patterson is sort of the chosen one to bring balance to this attacking Scotland site because obviously so much of our perfect and incredible attacking play has come down our left where we've had Tyranny Robertson that can interlink and interchange and underlap, overlap, etc. But if we can have a player of the talent and attacking output of Nathan Patterson on the right, it'll make us impossible to defend against. Because how can teams know which way we're going to attack if we've got weapons on both sides? That that that's yeah. what really excites me.
2: It's also yeah. the partnership. So Andy Elydia said it said about partnerships forming all over the team. Gilmore and Patterson have been playing together for years and years and years. And you can see it, you know, they they help each other out. They they even berated each other a wee bit in the second half. I saw when it was a slack pass. I thought that's brilliant. That's what you need. You know, you need but we've been crying out for this for years that you know Wales did it. You know, Ireland did it. They start. They play together for years and years. We've we've
1: got that now, um. And I think it's worth worth applauding and, and recognising that. You know, Clark. It's it's interesting you say. You know that it doesn't really matter what Patterson does down at Everton or how he's doing at club level, as long as he's consistently performing for Scotland, and and that's fine. Because Clark did say that he had to phone and Nathan and have a chat with him. It was difficult because the manager that signed him was sacked very shortly after he brought him to the club. So. He's got to really start from scratch, Patterson, in terms of impressing a manager, because Benitez and the team will have watched him um, before they signed him to make sure they were, they were sure of what they were signing. And Clark did say that he'd phoned Patterson in between the camps, which is very unlike him, just to make sure he was keeping his head up. If he wasn't getting minutes with the first team, try and get in the 20, well, make sure you're getting a couple of minutes in the build-up to the polling game in the 23 squad, which he then managed to do, as you alluded to, Andy, and that meant that he was coming to the camp in a fresher stay ready really to to go straight back into the Scotland team because 45 minutes and what would that be nearly really three months for a player of Nathan two months for a player of Nathan Patterson's ability that's, that's just absolutely bananas yeah yeah.
2: I think yeah. Everton fans are in agreement though I think you know Frank <laughs> Lampard has, has to make a decision yeah. absolutely has to um, you can't play that I mean here's here's an interesting one to put it another foot like would John Joel Kenny or Seamus Coleman get in our team
1: No, no.
2: No, they wouldn't. So, you know, that kind of answers it in itself. Um, You can't ignore it now. He's playing against Poland there. They're not bad players.
1: Yeah. We'll move move on to the... Well, before we move up front, just a quick word on Greg Taylor, actually, because I think that some people are still scratching their heads. Sometimes it has inclusion and the narrative would be, oh, do we need three left backs? We've already got Tierney, but... Tierney as a left centre back for Scotland. Okay, we need we need to differentiate that Tierney is not included in the Scotland squad as a left back, and he's not yep. the first deputy to Andy Robertson should Robertson be injured or suspended. Okay, that's why Tierney and or Hickey are there. Um, so Taylor, was just his sixth cap the other night. Thought he did fine. Had a wee hairy moment that led to the cross that Poland should have scored from the one they headed over. Um, in the first half, for about six yards when he was dispossessed on the left hand side of the box and the cross came in but apart from that I thought Taylor did fine so he's not going to play all that often for Scotland given who's in front of him and now with the challenge of Hickey um, who's breathing down his neck in the pecking order but um, just a I think a note of appreciation for him always turning up and always
0: going to the squads and then getting his wee opportunity to pull on the jersey again yeah, hundred percent. You know, and look, we've, we've we've said the same thing about Stephen O'Donnell on the right hand side as well. You know, you you just you have to love these players. You know that football, it's a, it's eleven players on the pitch, but there's a 23, 24 man squad, and it's a team game. And you just have to love those players that will turn up every single time for their country because they want to be there. They're trying their hardest, and you're right. The opportunities are limited for them, but. They make the most of them when they come, and you're right. I'm surprised actually. The Great Taylor's only had six caps because he's been in, he's probably been in more more squads than he's had caps. So, absolutely fair play to him for continuing to turn up. Um, and look, I guess as well, just, just sort of on, on that point, I've got to give a really special shout out to, to a guy like, like Lyndon Dykes because again, I don't quite know why he's in this squad because I just don't <laughs> yeah. think he's fit. I genuinely think he's not fit. But he's absolutely adamant that he wants to be in the squad. He's adamant he's going to be there. There's the photo of him last night in Tyne Castle at the under 21s game. And you're like, this guy just bloody loves coming away with Scotland. <laughs> like, he genuinely loves it. And I'm like, that is the attitude you want. Because, yeah. like, as, as us as fans, we'd think that's what we'd be like. You know, we'd have that exact same attitude. We just soak up every moment and love it. And I mean, you know, you remember back in November, again, when Dykes effectively snuck his way into the squad by claiming he was fit when he clearly was injured, turns up at training, comes out at training and is effectively hiding an injury and Clark's like, you're not fit. Like, go back. You can't do this. And Dykes has Dykes is telling him, I'm going to come to Moldova anyway. I'll come and just cheer on the boys. And Clark's like, no, you're not getting on a six-hour flight (laughs) just to watch the team. Just (laughs) rehab. Look after yourself. Love it, man. Big London. Love him. I love that attitude. So... Yeah, Taylor O'Donnell, Dykes. You know, th- th- this is the team spirit that we're talking about. This is just, uh, yeah. Again, all these little signs that things are things are very, very good within this camp. Hmm. Do you yeah. know what I love most
2: about that photo was uh, Craig Gordon looking like Aaron Hickey's dad.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: when he's old, it enough was to very be.
2: comforting. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Hickey Hickey did well though. Um, I thought when he came on, obviously he didn't have his. While we were talking, left back. Um, uh, you know his movement straight away. You were like, oh, that's different. That's that's really encouraging. That's really positive. Um, uh, it's quite hard to make your mark in a friendly, but everything he yeah. he did, um, particularly second half when it would break up with subs and
1: all that. But everything he did, he did very well. Yeah, did look at um, yeah. place in the slightest. Again, it's it's a it's a place that he. And his team feel that he belongs in uh, good first impression certainly from him um, I can see him now just being included very regularly in the squads it might even come down to him or Greg Taylor in the future as to who gets in the team because both boys are playing at good well Hickey's playing at a, a higher level than Greg Taylor but they're both getting serious game time for, for two good clubs so it'll be interesting to see how the, yeah, the second choice left back situation plays out and Hickey was one of a really good number of players that, that came on I mean Armstrong, Jack McLean, Jacob Brown, as well, Stephen O'Donnell came off the bench and and did and did another good played another good performance. The depth is, is really quite something. And off the bench, we didn't see Ross Stewart, um, we didn't see Jack Kendry or Lewis Ferguson or Craig Halkett, but they might get their chance in Austria. We'll come to the we'll come to look ahead to the Austria game uh, very shortly. But one thing that I think we'd like I would like to discuss anyway. And this again came in on Twitter a couple of times um, two seconds just till I find it here can't actually see it must have been another tweet that it was replied to but it was essentially saying is our attacking system now for sure Adams with two attacking midfielders off him rather than Adams with another striker yeah saw that
2: too Um it was like a four-three-three. The tweet mentioned wasn't it? Sorry. It would,
1: it would, it would be a three-four-three, <coughs> a three-four-two, three-four-three. Sorry, yeah. a three-four-two. Right. One, I think you would probably be best describing it as because I mean, some of the players mm-hmm. that we've got in that position, just off Adams, McGinn's absolutely nailed on. You've then got Christie, you've got Armstrong, um, you have Jacob Brown, you have. Maybe Ryan, Hall, if he was to be called up. You've got Fraser and Forrest if they were to come back into the team. So we've got options there. Do you think that Andy is something that yeah. Steve Clark is is pretty much letting yeah. us all know that this is this is the system that I want to play?
2: I, I think so. And there were, I, I agreed with that tweet, I
1: actually. Think I think I liked it
2: because I I totally saw that as well at hand and that we were they they were pressing much better from the front. It was it just seemed seamless. Like it was like everybody knew what they were doing. Um, and it, it was a, it was a unit. You know where you just see a team move around the pitch as a unit and like nobody seems out of position? I think there was only one time the entire game where it was a pass put in between Tierney, who was weirdly out of position, alongside Hanley, and they got a shot across goal. Other than that, you know, and it wasn't like it would have had to be in a world day to score. Like maybe if you had Lewandowski in the pitch, then it's a goal. But uh, other than that, I just think it was really like... Everyone's doing as they should, and like especially our front three, McGinn, John McGinn. Like, can we just say how much we love John McGinn and that we've got John McGinn because he's he's an unbelievably good footballer. Like, he's just so good. Like, no one in Hamden out of forty thousand that were there thought when the ball gets played up to John McGinn, it's not sticking. Like, everybody's like, he's either going to win a foul, turn his man, or like do both. I I I don't know. But the one thing's for sure, he's not losing the ball. And when you've got that sure thing, again, we were talking about McTominay, McTominay, that's a good name, <laughs> McTominay and Tierney playing it through the lines. Well, it's, it's McTominay, isn't it? Who was looking for McGinn time and time again. And you're just like, this is a sure thing. This ball's sticking. And then Patterson knows that ball's sticking. I'm on my bike. And then Gilmore around McGinn goes, right, well, I'm going over here then. McGregor, so it kind of, He's the catalyst, John McGinn. That's why he's our our, yeah. our best player, basically, um, when we look to him. and But then also, man, Christy. Christie really buzzed around the pitch first half. like he And he's, he seems to have bulked up a wee bit in his frame, like his upper body. Maybe it was just me noticing that, but he wasn't getting bounced off the ball as easily. He's always buzzed around people, but he was really making it stick. And then we, we know that Shea Adams is is superb at that as well. Yeah. So I think what they were doing... Uh, what I'm getting at is, it looked, it made sense, and I think when you are objectively seeing something that looks as a unit, and individually, collectively, like it makes sense, then you're onto a winner. Um,
0: I think uh, it, it looked, yeah, it, it looked well coached, didn't it? Yeah, because I, I I completely agree with you. There were so many moments in the game where you would see us play a, a passage of three, four passes. And it would just look like it's straight off the training ground or Mm -hmm. those moments, you're right, where McGinn would often be the trigger for launching a press. And then you just all of a sudden he'd have a wingman on either side closing down the pass, shutting off the passing lanes, etc. And, you know, forcing the keeper to go long or whatever, you know, it all looked very joined up thinking. And I think, again, Mm -hmm. that speaks to the consistency of how long this group have had together, how much they've worked with Clark, that they are just getting better and better. Every every camp, yeah. I actually
1: thought that that was one of Shea
0: Adams' poorer games for Scotland. I don't think he
1: was bad, really, but I thought mm. some of his link-up play was quite loose He was he was a fan of trying to pass when it came up to him, where he would close his right foot on the ball and try and spin it almost in behind him for the, the attacking mm. runner. And it, it more often than not, it went through to the the Polish uh, the Polish defence. You know, in a friendly or whatever, I don't really mind that. And on the fact that it was a friendly, it was it was bizarre actually. Watching a Scotland game with nothing really at stake, like just mm. feeling totally relaxed. Like I'd see at the end when when they got that penalty, obviously your reaction was, "Ah oh, fuck's sake!" But when they scored it, it was just kind of like, oh, well that's a pity." is oh, it well. still played well, <laughs> you know. Like yeah. that, that, there was no. Oh my gosh, we were the that, better. That is a massive two yeah. points dropped, or like, with the Nations League and stuff now, everything to play for. Everything's got a an end goal um, and a qualification target, but it was really weird. Yeah, actually, just you know, handing after losing a last minute goal and still being like, and yeah, that was actually all right. <laughs> do
2: you know exactly Andy. So do you know what I think though? Because I was there with my brother, and kind of I get designated to get fourteen tickets, man, fourteen tickets. <laughs> I'll forgive him for that. I, and we were all just saying that walking it. We were like, do you know what? We were comfortably the better team there tonight yeah, yeah. against a decent Poland side, but like which bodes really well for you know if and when we get through against Ukraine and play Wales, mm-hmm. I really think we can hold on to the ball for an awful lot of the game. I really, really think we can. Um, So I, it, it was so comforting. That's what it was. It was yeah. comforting coming out
1: of the stadium and thinking, you know, we were the better team. We've actually, we've got a tweet in from, I think it was North Bank runner, regular listener that, yeah, <laughs> replied to my tweet. Um, What would you like the talking points to be in? He said, Wales, and how do we stop bail? Now, we'll, <laughs> we'll cross that bridge if or when we get there. I mean, I'm not comfortable looking um, that, that far into the future at the moment. Um, first of all, we've got to play Austria in a friendly, and then Ukraine, well, if that game ever happens, to be honest, but we'll, we'll, we'll soon see. But we know now that the prize is, uh, is Wales, because they beat Austria the other night, which means that we'll play them on Tuesday. So what do we want to see from this friendly against Austria? We had a few people, including John Bleasdale, getting in touch, just saying how many of the newer faces or more unfamiliar faces do you think we'll see given significant game time uh, against Austria? I think in that bracket, we can include both keepers, Sander Clark and Liam Kelly. We can probably include Lewis Ferguson, Jacob Brown, Aaron Hickey, Craig Halkett and Ross Stewart. So that's five kind of more unfamiliar or unexperienced anyway, as far as Scotland goes. Um, Players that um, got very little or no game time the other night against Poland. Clark's not one for big changes all at once, guys, but do you expect most of these fellas to get at least 20 minutes and then uh, the keepers are a separate situation?
0: Um, I think certainly... um... I would certainly like to see quite a few players quite a few different players get some minutes uh on Tuesday night. I think what's what's fascinating is you know this this friendly was obviously originally going to be if we were playing this game it would have been the most despondently disappointingly awful experience given that yeah you, you both teams would have had to lose their playoff semi-final to then play a friendly against each other and it would have just been the most after the Lord's Mayor's show experience you've ever seen. And for Austria, it still is because obviously they lost on Thursday night. They're out of the running. They can't go to the World Cup. They're in a bit of disarray. There's question marks over whether their manager will continue. But for us, we're still building this positivity. We're still building momentum. You know, we're now seven games unbeaten. And I think I would quite like to see that momentum continue to build. I think there's a great opportunity yes. to go over there and play a team that's in the depths of despair and stick one on them because <laughs> plenty of teams have done that to us in the past. Okay. So... I think I would certainly like to see Clark stick with a fairly first choice starting 11. I think I would like to see a different goalkeeper from the beginning, just, you know, because we have to, we do have to start imagining a world without Craig Gordon as much as we don't want to. I think there'd be nothing against giving uh, Aaron Hickey a start, for example. And, you know, as we discussed pre-Poland, maybe trying out a different combination in midfield, if it's Gilmore and Jack, for example, give McGregor the night off. And then maybe later off the bench, a Ross Stewart, for example. And, you know, I think Jacob Brown deserves more minutes. You know, he only got five minutes against Moldova. You only got that, if that, against Poland. So I think I'd like to see some more from Jacob Brown, give him a half at least. But yeah, you're right. I think Clark won't go overboard with changes because I think momentum in sport is such a finite thing and it can go very quickly if you're not careful. So I think he'll be cognizant that you'll want to continue that good feeling out of this camp and a good draw against Poland and if we can go over and get another away win in Austria that will set us up very nicely for the summer
1: Yeah Andy, we do have a few options to bring in, I mean th- these guys have mo- mostly have, have got time on their side, I mean Hickey is still a teenager Lewis Ferguson's in his early 20s, Ross Stewart I think is only 24 or 5 and this is his first camp um, there's going to be One, two. There were six the other night, so I imagine there will be at least a similar number of six uh, of subs against Austria. Just I think depends on how many minutes that they're each given. I mean, I'm sure that Jacob Brown enjoys coming off the bench for Scotland. I'm sure he'd enjoy even more if he was given ten or fifteen minutes to try and make an impression on the game. Yeah, I think
2: um, what what helps new players is when there's a settled unit, Um, and something my maybe favourite Steve Clark. Uh, saying ever since he took charge remember we won three in the bounce Um, it was Cyprus away, it was Kazakhstan at home and somebody else San Marino San Marino. San Marino so we won three in the bounce and what he said was what we're trying to do is put in a way of playing that no matter who comes in they're able to do exactly what we've set up to do. Now ideally every football manager can say that but with Steve Clark. What I think he doesn't say much, and what he does say, you actually see happening. As I maybe think he doesn't get enough credit for that, because almost everything he has said, um, you know, publicly, because he's very forthright with his opinion, has kind of transpired or he's stuck. He's stuck. Besides, you know, uh, so I think he is far from a football dinosaur that was, uh, you know, he was painted as when he first came in. He's given debuts to some players who are going to be with us for years and years and years, he he chose Patterson and Gilmore to go to the Euros all this is to say I don't think he's shy in giving players um, a new start or a, nine, a, a players, debut. nine players in 2021 got their debut, is that right? Is that right? Yep. Is it as much as nine? as fantastic, so I would like to see Hal Kitt. I would like to see Hal Kitt play, I think he deserves that um, I would really like to see Ross Stewart I think we all would like to see Ross Stewart um, get on for some minutes, and I would love to see Hickey from the start. Just with what we were saying, um, you know, he didn't he didn't get enough of a run out, but you could sense there was something, you know, really really special there. So I would like to see that.
1: With with Stuart, it's an interesting one because I think we we could be wrong here. I mean, Steve Clark's not um, a complete alien to in a few surprises our way, um, as we saw with, for example, the Czech Republic game, um, first game of the Euros last year. Sometimes it's hard to predict when it seems so easy to try and foresee, but if Ross Stewart did feature, do you think that it would be coming off the bench for Shea Adams, or do you think he would be tasked to play with Shea Adams, Gordon, maybe come on for Armstrong or Christie or whoever's playing up there?
0: Yeah, I've got to say I'm not familiar enough with what system Ross Stewart plays in currently at Sunderland, if he is a striker on on his own or if he plays with a partner traditionally. So, I think I would probably expect him probably to come off the bench to replace Shea Adams. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, being striker for Scotland is a very difficult job. It can be a very lonely job at times. I feel like it might be a bit much to put that pressure on him to start a game away from home for Scotland, even though it is only a friendly. It's still a it's always a big game for us. So, yeah, probably coming off the bench to to replace someone like Shea Adams is how I would foresee. Mm-hmm. Looking minutes. here, Sunderland
1: against Crew Alexandra, Saturday, twelfth of March. Um, Sunderland won 2 0 and Ross Stewart started up front alongside Jermaine Defoe in a 3 5 2 against mm-hmm. Fleetwood the week before that. Um uh, he didn't play, he must have been injured. Oh well. Um so <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, he's, I mean, he's mobile. He's, he's a
2: he's he's a mobile forward, I think, um from what I've seen of him. And I think he does tend to play with a two uh Defoe, I guess it's a classic like big guy, small guy yeah. partnership, except Ross Stewart's got a bit more to his game than that. I think he's he's like a poacher as well. He's a fairly well all-rounded player. he's um There's a really, uh, I'm sure you saw it as well, compilation somebody put up, might have been Grant Gendo, probably was, um, uh, and he scores at this long, bursting run at the end, and it's just the composure. If finish it off, you're like, oh, man. I love it. I love it when you see somebody like make a lung buster and still have the composure and the the peace of mind to get there ahead of the defender and put it in. It's such a lovely, deft finish as well. So I advise anyone to go and watch that if they haven't already.
1: Um, Speaking speaking quickly of lung bursting runs, I forgot to mention Billy Gilmore's recovery to clear off the line uh, against Poland. (laughs) I mean, that was like a full on 60, 70 yard metre sprint. To, to get back behind Craig Gordon, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> you love yeah. to see it in a friendly as well. Yeah, oh, it, oh, it was right. excellent. You could you could see when, when he realised it was McTominay that slipped, wasn't it? Um, when McTominay Aye. slipped, um, the way that it he just took off, um, and it, the way that his, his arms were moving and his head was like shaking, <laughs> like he was he was trying so hard to get back there in time. I uh, know oh, was a, an amazing clearance, It's brilliant, um, but yeah. Stuart, he, he does seem to play up there with a partner. That The most recent game for Sunderland was a 3-5-2 again, and he was up front with, with Patrick Roberts, of all people, actually. Um, forgot he was at oh, Sunderland. Oh, wow. Um, Keeping it in the old firm, then. <laughs> so, yeah, Ross Stuart, comfortable with a partner, that it would seem, that's the rather than like a 4-3-3, and he's in the middle. So maybe he will get a chance mm-hmm. alongside Adams, because I suppose Scotland, although it's working well with a 3-4-3 at the moment and two attacking mids, may well need a plan B at some point. And that's that's what turned the tide of the game against the Czech Republic when Dykes and Adams started playing together. And it wasn't until Sheik stuck it in from 50 yards that the game kind of went beyond us. Because when the change was made at halftime and we went to up front, we started looking mm-hmm. pretty threatening at that point. Um, so I wonder if maybe that is something that Clark has up his sleeve. You know, Um if Dykes is unavailable or suspended or something that Stewart's capable of fulfilling mm-hmm. that same role Gorn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're right. Although, you know, as you guys have been talking, I've maybe more thought myself into supporting the idea of maybe Jacob Brown getting a chance to start alongside Shea Adams because obviously Brown has had more time in camp. He was in the camp in November, he's been in this camp. Maybe he should get his chance first ahead of a guy like Ross Stewart, possibly. I mean, he's Um, scoring
1: scoring good goals in the Championship, isn't he? Ten this season, the second tier. I mean, that's, that's good going, yeah.
0: And I think, and I think, in the in the system that they play at Stoke, acting as the runner alongside someone like She Adams will come very naturally to him. Mm. Perhaps the thing
2: Clark wants to preserve above everything is just drilling the system um, more than giving players a chance that might mm. you know direct his hands. So instead of playing a strike partnership up top, keep with the three that we mentioned last time. You know that type of three that was moving around so well together. Yeah. That might be the deciding factor there. Um, I totally forgot about Ryan Fraser. You mentioned Ryan Fraser. I'm like, (laughs) oh man, how good
1: is it that we're forgetting players like Ryan Fraser? Yeah, thank goodness. I think I actually I think that Ryan Jack will get some some serious minutes against Austria. I thought he he did. Of course, I I, I always love seeing Ryan Jack. Yeah, and he he was good the other night. So I think that um, maybe not maybe not from the start. I don't know because at the midfield. Although I was amplifying the calls for Jack to start. When we did our last podcast, Gordon, I, I thought that Gilmore and McGregor were, again, really good together. Um, I just want to see Jack, you know, given that chance again, trusted. Um, and he, maybe he will be against Austria. Maybe he'll come on with half an hour to play or something like that again. Maybe Armstrong will get a start this time behind the striker. Maybe he'll be the one linking up with Shea Adams because we can't forget about him. I mean, he's been in good form, over, well, since the turn of the year, hasn't he, down at Southampton? Um. Yeah. So, yeah, look, we've, we've got some great options. But I think looking at across the back, um, maybe Hendry will come in Maybe Halkett will come in Who knows really it's a, it's a real pick and mix this Scotland squad at the moment But Clark um, doesn't make too many changes at once If there was going to be one I would suspect that Hickey will play Over Taylor at left wing back And I mm-hmm. do think maybe That Ryan Jack will start the game um, Away to Austria and all that um, Apart from that I'm not too sure What changes he'll make Any, Anything jumping out in your instincts Fellas about what might happen
0: yeah, I, I think I think I would I would agree with you. I think Hickey and Jack are probably first choice to, to to come into the first eleven and maybe one of the keepers. I think I think there there's got to be a time that we do start trying someone that isn't named Gordon or Marshall. So yeah, yeah I would I would expect to see a different keeper start on Tuesday. And yeah. are you on board with that?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always love seeing new players pull on the the dark blue. So yeah, and I fully trust uh, Steve Clark and who he's brought in previously. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this one. I'm just quite calm about going to Vienna and, like, yeah. expect us to win. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if I'm going to win, aye, it'll, it'll
1: be fine. They're, they're at they're a seriously low ebb, aren't they? I think if we do beat them, that could be the nail in the coffin for their manager. And I saw something on Twitter or in the newspaper or something about them basically saying this will be as his last chance, you know, you need to prove that you can pick up a result against Scotland or that's you jotters away. Um, So yeah, it's, uh, it's just going to be interesting again to watch a Scotland game with nothing at stake. Hopefully we can get the, the win and keep the momentum going as you've been, as you've been saying, Gordon, but if we do let one slip late on or whatever, if, as long as it's not, if, for example, if we draw one, one and we're the ones snatching the result after being hemmed in and, and, living by the skin of our teeth um, for the entire 19 and yeah that's totally different than the one when we had the other night where we were comfortably the better team and we're unfortunate mm. to let it slip you know if that sort of thing happens again I think we're all uh, sensible enough to look at it for what it was rather than the score line in isolation and think you know what momentum's kept going the, the players another camp away they've played well together onwards to the Nations League mm.
2: Yeah, I'm not sorry Gordon I'm not trying to crowbar in mindset here but I think it's like trying to preserve the mindset that we've got. So like if we're I think that's the most important thing from this international weekend actually I think, uh, weekend, you know, break um, yeah. is that we we have arrived with the same mindset, we've exhibited a brilliant style of play and left-handed with the same mindset. So let's go and do the same in Vienna. I think um, you know, we don't want anything to rock that boat and I don't think it will.
0: Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more yeah
1: good stuff right well let's see what happens on Tuesday then who might get some game time out of the guys like Liam Kelly Zander Clark maybe Jacob Brown Ferguson Hickey Halkett Ross Stewart who knows maybe we'll get a couple of debuts or a couple more appearances from the bench so thanks again for joining me Andy and Gordon thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll be back next week to talk about what happens in Vienna cheers
0: cheers guys pleasure guys see you later
2: cast network